0: Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. It is 9, oh shoot, 53 a.m. <laughs> my mic is so big it covers the, the time on my phone, so I uh, can't even see it half the time. And I do look like an idiot walking around with a big old mic. Well, it's not like, it's like a, probably like a 3-inch shotgun mic, 3 or 4-inch shotgun mic. I'm connected directly to my phone pointing towards me. But the biggest thing is like there's a giant Like a ball of wind uh, Like a gray Wind mic Like a, what do you call this? I forgot what it's called But it stops the wind (laughs) So that you don't hear the wind blowing against the mic Um, whatever that's called But yeah, anyways I'm looking like an idiot But I hope it sounds better And um I enjoy talking so (laughs) Um once again documenting my journey yesterday felt pretty good i pretty much did most of what i set out to do for the day it's always a nice feeling um i started you know a little habit tracker again so i'm not tracking every habit i'm doing because it's a little bit overwhelming but just like the top five or six um kind of goals i set for myself for the day like the things I want to do um on an almost daily basis which I showed in my video so um yesterday I actually did finally get to doing another YouTube video um it was a kind of showing myself practicing some visual design so I probably looked like a once again looked like an idiot <laughs> not knowing what I'm talking about in that process but it was it was cool um it was fun to do I I wanted to keep it at like 20 minutes But it ended up going to almost 40 So I really got to work on uh, being uh, Being You know short Being concise um, I guess the the bigger The better solution would probably just be editing it down But but that's not really better For me because I really don't like editing um, Even though When it's just cutting things right If I don't have to add too much effects Then it's fine But it still adds more work, right? And right now, I'm just trying to build the habit. <laughs> Maybe when the habit is more established, you know, I go ahead and uh, do a little bit, a few edits here and there. But as as of now, I just, it's just raw. Just record it, put it on there. That's it. <laughs> but um, it was cool. I'm hoping to do another one today. Um, Let me see what today's episode would be about if I do get around to doing this YouTube thing today on my calendar. So, today would be UX. So, I would read, you know, some books I've been reading. I have Design of Everyday Things, Information Architecture book, um about Face or Flow. So, I'm not sure which one I'm going to pick. Probably the Information Architecture because I'm almost done with that one. Even though it won't it probably won't be the most exciting thing for people to read, and I'll be jumping in like near the end, but it's it is what it is, you know. Other than that, you know, I finally joined one of the uh, my classes check-ins. So every Monday, and I think during some maybe Wednesday or Thursday or something like that during the week, they do a check-in with the classmates with um, um, along with the teacher or some of the classmates, whoever wants to join, and uh, you know, they just talk about you know whatever they've been doing this week. But I have not been going. <laughs> For several reasons. Number one, because on Mondays, I usually go to my book club, the UX Bookstart book club. And that is really, really fun for me. Um, I learn a lot. And we're actually, you know, reading about research right now. So, uh, (laughs) the second reason I didn't go is because um, I haven't been doing much on my my research. uh, My research work for that class. Like I said before, I kind of have been procrastinating it off and I felt really bad about it. So I haven't even been going as well as that. So it's kind of like on top of each other. Number one, I'm really doing a book book club you know, type of thing. And number two, I already was falling behind so I didn't see a kind of reason to uh, to do that. To do that to myself. Look <laughs> like an idiot. Uh, more of an idiot. And I really feel like half the time. But nonetheless it was cool. Um Michelle, the teacher, reached out to me. She saw, she saw I was there on Slack um, talking to another classmate. She invited me in. I was like, you know what? Fine, fine. I'll go ahead, I'll go ahead and do it. And it was, it was cool. Um, now I feel like a super idiot because it turns out a lot of my classmates have been feeling the same way as I have in terms of not feeling productive, in terms of, not, in terms of falling behind, not being able to do you know, as much work as they wanted to do because a lot of them are hands-on learners as well just like me right and they felt disengaged they felt like they couldn't keep up with anything or they you know um, didn't really feel motivated to keep up with anything because they have as an observer you know it's a cool idea where where you can kind of look watch the class going and um, see how it works but the problem with it is that for for many of us hands-on learners who feel you know who have to feel like we're In order to feel engaged, we have to kind of work on something there um, that has some kind of stakes or, or, you know, part of the project. It's it's very hard to stay motivated. And it turns out, like, out of the six or seven people that was there, maybe four or five of us was, (laughs) you know, feeling disengaged and falling behind. And so we came up with some ideas. You know, to be more engaged, came up with this idea of, uh, you know, in the beginning of the project, which won't really help us now anymore, but in the beginning of the the uh, class, you know, or the cohort, whatever, we would pick a project to to watch. We, we were supposed to be doing that now, but with our idea, instead of just you know watching it on your own or whatever, we would pick a project that the all-ins, the the people that's actually doing the work, are doing, and we would provide updates on that on a week by week or even a day by day basis. So as we're watching them you know, learning and doing their work, doing doing meetings and. And creating research And all these other deliverables We would would have a specific channel to update You know, to provide updates On what we're learning And what they're doing there Right, and so ideally This would help us Like people who want This is all, you know um, Voluntary by uh, It's not like required for every observer to do But anybody that wants to be more hands on They can, you know Feel more engaged with it and that will also serve as a uh, kind of a back backup for the class, too, so that if if anybody comes in late, which sometimes happens, or if anybody has a drop off, which sometimes happens, there's a, a easy-to-read record of everything that's been going on with that project. So um, that was cool to have that idea and to, to kind of <laughs> see that I'm not alone, you know, um, that many other people are feeling this, too. And it's just... This thing, oh okay, I thought this was pausing and I was about to say goodness. Um but yeah, it just goes to show the importance of, you know, reaching out. Of sharing your your, your thoughts and and your your feelings, your worries with um your peers, uh, your colleagues and stuff like Because it might very well be that other people feel the same, you know? Um often times we go through life feeling like we're especially nowadays. You know, even though it's a globalized world, we live in these kind of solitary uh, communities and and um, houses and stuff like that, and it's very easy to feel like we're alone. You know, to feel like we're the only one struggling with a specific type of problem or a specific type of insecurity or something like that. But when we, you know, have the courage to reach out and to, or at least to just sit back and see what other people are doing and saying and feeling, we, we find that we're not alone. <laughs> you know, it's very often that other people are going through the same things or at least very similar. Alright, so it's just it's just an amazing feeling. Um so I'm definitely gonna do my best to uh be a little bit better about reaching out to folks and, you know, keeping up with other folks and connecting and stuff like that. And we'll see where that goes. Um I think that covers most of the work I did yesterday Again I can't say much about the actual work I did <laughs> um, But it was cool We're doing like a, um empathy map think feel, think, feel, say, do So pulling out notes about You know um, What a person In the interview Like we look at the interview basically Right, it's like a 45 minute interview And then we look at um, What they were saying pull out some quotes they have some basically these are called findings you know what we're learning what we're finding about the specific thing about what they said you know pulling out all that putting into sticky notes on a Miro Uh, the format itself doesn't really matter like it could be sticky notes could be a could be a document could be a spreadsheet whatever it doesn't really matter but the the point is that we're pulling out these notes um, putting it on to a medium um, somewhere we can see all those notes And then organizing it in specific categories so think uh, or whether what they say has to do with you know exactly what they said Um, what they do has to do with like if you're doing a usability test um, which this these interviews did it's like half generative where in the beginning they kind of ask questions about you know their career or their their specific position and their experience and things like that and then the latter half they do a usability test with the platform they're testing with to see, you know, what specific behaviors do they actually do on this platform, and then you also have what they think. So that goes to, um, you know, what they <laughs> what they're thinking about. Uh, but of course, this is hard to kind of figure out because it's not like you can actually see what they're thinking in their brain. But you can uh, get an idea of it based on you know what they what they're implying, right? When they're when they're talking, um, what they're not saying but you can kind of get a feel for what they're saying based on their body language, based on their face, um facial language, I guess. <laughs> uh their facial expressions, goodness, that's what I was looking for. And um yeah, and then what they feel as well, by the same token, it's uh what you can gather they they feel based on their reactions and stuff like that. So it's an interesting process. It's definitely an interesting thing Part of the You know Process of synthesizing data Of trying to get an understanding of What people are saying and doing And all this stuff In these interviews And it um, allows you to get a better understanding Right Of The data The qualitative data um, This is the like, This is the benefits of qualitative data as well Very often in tech You know people do quantitative tests Things like You know looking at how many people put convert, you know, looking at how many people click a certain button or you know do certain things on the website. And sure, that's useful. but quantitative data all it does is show you general patterns, right? Show you general ideas of what people are doing. It doesn't really tell you why people are doing that. and that's usually the more important aspect because if you don't understand the why, if you understand a bit about the what through that quantitative data, It can very much mislead you because if you don't really understand why they're doing that, then you then if you try to solve that problem, you very, very likely will be solving the wrong problem. And that's one of the the biggest problems with tech today, right, is that people solve the wrong problems very well. (laughs) Um, So that qualitative data, that qualitative interviews and, and research allows you to understand the why so you can get down to the core problem. You get down to the core issue. And um, that is a very, very fun and interesting process. Um, so yeah, it's, it's cool to be able to practice that. It's cool to be able to see it in action. And I'm um, very fortunate to be able to be doing that. So this leads us to just um last bit of what I've been doing, which is finally finishing this very long but very great Lex Friedman podcast so if you don't know Lex Friedman um, is heavily inspired by Joe Rogan um, who does podcasts about anything <laughs> but Lex Friedman specifically is a um, I, I, I guess I want to say more of a nerdy type right like he talks he's a computer scientist who works at MIT um, I think he has a he may have have he may have a doctorate or something I'm not sure um, but basically he's, he's, he's really interested in and building artificial intelligence Building robots and things like that That are conscious That have um, And not just for the sake of doing it But he, he has this kind of theory That you know AI can show us The best parts of what it means to be alive Through um, Through displaying empathy Through displaying love um, He's always talking about love The importance of that um, and, it's, and it's so cool So fun to hear him talk and to see him interview with all these people Um, because whereas Joe Rogan kind of like interviews folks and just kind of goes into um, random areas which Lex Ritman does too but Lex Ritman definitely has a a more geeky nerdy bent which I really enjoy Um, he goes into depth about these really technical topics everything from blockchain to like I said artificial intelligence to consciousness to um, AI to, let me see what else he talked aliens, that's a big part, um, sometimes he gets into fighting as well, to combat, to society, he's interviewed all sorts of people, he's kind of, probably has a over a hundred, couple hundred videos by now, um, and it's just really great, so this one he was interviewing this um, person by the name of, shoot, I, I'm not sure I can pronounce his name, Daniel... Schottenberger or something like that um, Basically this dude that, that's um, The title was The title was uh, Shoot i do never forget the title Let me see if I can pull it up Because it was, it was really great Here we go Daniel Berger <laughs> Steering civilization Away from self-destruction Number Episode number 191 so this one was a truly amazing podcast. I like a lot of these episodes, but this one I really enjoyed because that's exactly, you know, as you might have guessed, what I've been really concerned and, and uh, thinking about for a while now. Steering humanity away from, steering civilization away from self-destruction, right? And he's talked about, he talked about a lot of really interesting things in his podcast. I'm not going to cover everything right now. Because um, I don't want to, I do want to, you know, practice getting being more concise. And furthermore, this I'm already late, and I have to get get to work on some other work. But <laughs> um, just to kind of recap some some of the highlights for me. Um, some of the things he pointed out that I felt felt were really really important and, and kind of new was this idea of. Shoot I didn't even put together like a talking points I probably should have did that Like did some note taking But (laughs) um, But the idea of Humanity Human nature being not just You know one thing But being very much And similar to what I've been saying actually But being very much A product Of Of How we teach people Right of how, of different cultures different cultures oh shoot it's, it's starting to rain, I might have to get going for real okay but um, different cultures right, can have different behaviors, like there's, he talked about how there's a Buddhist communities that were up to, up to maybe a million or, or, or so people and this community was so pacifist that they don't even harm insects Right, they don't even harm insects, and so it could, it, it, you can see that you have it. You can have a whole entire community that is, you know, these birds are really going at it, <laughs> but that is um, really kind and really kind of low key and all this other stuff like, you know, not violent And then by the same token, you have other communities where you have like child soldiers where. Pretty much anybody, by the by the time they're adult, they they've already killed somebody before, right? So you have these two extremes of humanity, and on one side, well, on both sides really, it's not like you don't have range. Like even within those communities, like in the Buddhist community, you probably had some violent people, and in the um, in the um, other community, I forget what it was called, but you probably have some compassionate people, right? But it shows you that You can have You can have a A, a specific type of behavior Based on how the culture Raises And values Right It's it's uh, Based on what the culture values rather, rather And so the idea that human nature is just some Un Just some Immovable thing Right That's immovably violent or you you also have these problems with people and greedy and all this stuff and therefore you have to am, am, impart laws on people right that's not necessarily true we see for a fact that you can have <laughs> um widely ranging value systems and that changes how the culture is raised And i don't want to get too much into it i highly suggest you go and watch the four-hour interview but <laughs> take your time with it um but some other things he mentioned is how, you know, the problem of of capitalism in our current society and things like that is not even just that capitalism itself. It's it's, it's the idea that um, we put that we we had this experiment of being a democracy, right? And the idea of it is very interesting, right? That the idea that you can have emergent rules, or rather emergent governance, emergent. Um, Emergent principles of of Rule of law Based on voting, based on um, A whole bunch of people coming together Right, to make those rules But the problem is that It very quickly Did not allow for Did not allow many people to participate Right, democracy is a participatory Participatory governance system In which people can volunteer Right, to have a say in the government. And people have it's in their best interest to have a say in the government because that determines the laws and all this other stuff. So of course, the more people that are involved in it, the more people will have their say. But the problem is that in the very beginning, it was only certain types of people who could who were allowed to participate, right? Landowners, the elites, and then um, white men, and then, you know, women and then uh Slaves or, you know, people of color. Uh, no, it might have been the other way around. Right? People of color, free slaves and then women. Which is, either way, it's, it's really bad, right? And and it shows you, like, a lot of our laws, a lot of our society that's supposed to be built on this participa- participatory system only allows certain people to participate and which kind of fundamentally... Cracked the foundation, fundamentally made the foundation just, just not really work very well. There's a number of other ways, other aspects to it as well. Um, but put that together with also the fact that, you know, technology. Technology kind of shapes our behavior, but it's also a, a result of our values, right? Like the type of technology that we invent... Reflects the values of, that we have, but also the technology that we invent shapes our values For instance, he, he, he showed how the plow and we have talked about, you know in terms of agriculture But he showed how the plow was one of the leading, you know Factors into making our society more patriarchal because the plow de- de- depended on you know um, upper arm strength upper upper body strength right and women couldn't use the plow as much because you know it was it was kind of biased towards upper body strength and pregnant women who tried to use it you know would have miscarriages and all this other stuff so it 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 was kind of a self-defeating system where you know people who have plows were able to plow more were able to have this farmland and all this other stuff but at the same time it it um encouraged people right and it kind of bias our society to be more male dominated. And that lasted for quite a while. And some other aspects he mentioned. This, this is one that, that I really enjoyed as well. Is the, the word compersion. Which is on the same kind of plane and kind of matrix as compassion. As jealousy. As Schadenford. Or as um, sadism. So he had this chart um, this idea of a chart where the more like we all know what compassion is and empathy, right? The idea that compassion is the idea that the more somebody else is um, like you feel bad if somebody else feels bad. Right? That's kind of compassion and empathy. But there's part of that same system where you feel good when somebody else feels bad, right? And that's kind of like shot in Florida, um, shot in Ford, however you say that word, <laughs> and sadism. Um, but compersion is where you feel good when somebody else feels good, right? Where some the success of somebody else makes you feel positive because, like, you feel like you've um, benefited from their success, right? You feel you feel happy about their success. So in relationships and in society. The fact that we don't really talk about that word too much, compersion, is kind of concerning, right? Most of us know more about compassion, know more about jealousy, where the more people do bad, right? We feel that, whether for good or bad. And so it kind of biases our society, right, to care more about these kind of negative Aspects these kind of negative correlations of success, this kind of scarcity or closed, you know, closed system where somebody else's success comes at the cost of your own success. That's very concerning for our society. But compersion if we can, if we can kind of center our society around these ideas of compersion where somebody else's else's success also is related to your success right where we feel happy about that about other people succeeding whether in relationships or with you know other people not related to us that can help us to create a better society and yeah it it was just super interesting they went to a number of these topics and and these ideas about you know what what metrics should we be measuring our society off of because right now the metrics of GDP Is definitely not good (laughs) because the measures of GDP have almost nothing to do with quality of life in fact in very many many ways it's purely against quality of life because you know more addiction is better for GDP because you have more people you know buying medicines and stuff like that right more obesity is, is good for for GDP more consumption is good for GDP more war is good for GDP but all of that is against the quality of life factor—the fact that you know—if you want people to, if you want your civilization, your societies to grow, right, and for people to have a good quality of life and all this other stuff, then those measurements are against that, are antithetical to that. So yeah, it was just so awesome seeing and hearing other folks talk about the same things I've been talking about. Um, hey he brought up a lot of other things that, you know, made me think. So I'm definitely going to be looking more up on his stuff. Um, and they have something called the Consilience Project. Now, it's interesting because I just heard about this word, Consilience. Um, but I heard about it in a completely different area where... Um, I think I was watching a video with my um, partner. And it was about... What was about, I think? Post-constructionalism or postmodernism or something like that structuralism i don't know but it was talking about how concilience before you know people thought the word of concilience people thought that everything would come together right every every like area of area of knowledge you know philosophy science psychology all this stuff biology you know would come together to a universal law of science or, or law of the of the universe. But in doing so it also Oh no, that's what we was reading an article about it, talking about how consilience the idea that there is like this universal way of knowing, right? That science as a universal way of knowing kinda of broke down in this idea of consilience because in science, you know, kind of depend on the ability to measure things well I've mentioned this before I don't think I have to rehash all this again but it is a little bit concerning for me because the idea of conciliance I looked up the definition it basically means just you know multiple areas of subject areas of expertise kind of coming together to form a whole picture to me it seems more like holistic ideas But the I don't know it's just some things I'm learning about <laughs> I'm trying to understand more of but I'm concerned about it because you know if, if, if we get all of our ways of knowing from you know science or from one way of knowing, that if that comes at the, the the cost, right of other ways of knowing of like spirituality, of you know rituals, of you know all this this other kind of things that we that we use to understand the world, then that can be very bad. That can be very harmful. Because, unfortunately, with science, it's just... And I, I mentioned it before, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But with science, like, there's a lot of things we don't know. And there's a lot of things we don't know that we don't know. There's a lot of things that we can't even measure, right? We can't even begin to know. <laughs> and those other ways of knowing, right? That sounds crazy in some, some ways, like spirituality and, and instinct and all this other stuff. These other ways of knowing... May not be the same type of knowing as science. May not be the same type of objectivity, but it does allow us to explain and to experience things that we can't currently explain, that we can't currently measure. And so, to me, there's a huge amount of value in that, because it very might be that those other ways of knowing may have an insight into knowledge, into facts that we simply cannot. Yet measure right like the ideas of um, life kind of evolving or life coming up from nothing right Um, other other societies other ways of knowing like certain spiritualities like animism stuff like that have actually had ideas of that for a very long time that there's some small things that we have no we, we can't physically see but they create larger life right and and the western ideas we didn't really have an understanding of that until we invented you know microscopes and we were able to see cells and things like that before they just had this idea that either it was not possible and thus you know a whole lot of people would um would do really dumb things like have dirty water and it would drink from dirty water and like the whole of london and, and france where they just threw poop and pee you know out the window and just kept that there in the streets like that the whole reason that that society thought that was okay is because they didn't believe it was possible for life you know to, to kind of come up from the very small things but in, in many places in Africa they had a fundamental instinctual understanding that you had to have clean water that you had to have you know you had to clean yourself um, fastidiously because mm-hmm. you know you can get all sorts of diseases from these small life that you can't really see Right? They had this idea in their religion, in their spirituality. And so because of that, they had these cleaner cities and all this other stuff. So you can see at the fundamental level, these belief systems right, impacts how our societies are built. And it wasn't until relatively recently, like in the 1800s or so, again with enlightenment and all this other stuff, we begin to see these things that Western society started to catch on to that idea. And it's so crazy now, because now it's completely flipped, and a lot of places in Africa, right, have no understanding of, you know their history. right? So a lot of people regard Africa as this dirty place and have dirty water and all this other place. But that's not really a problem that's not really a problem of of the African you know way of living or, or different African civilizations and peoples, right? That's directly, directly. A result of colonialism, because the 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 prehistoric cultures—not even the prehistoric, but the pre-colonial cultures—knew that this was a problem. Like knew the knew how to clean water and all this other stuff. So it, I don't again don't want to spend too much time on it, but it's just so frustrating and fascinating to me. But yeah, I'll end it there. As always, thanks for listening, and um keep it watch on my YouTube. I'm starting to be more consistent with that. Trying to post more often on there. So, thanks for everything and um, let me know what you think as always. And uh, yeah, go look up that video. Lex Friedman Podcast. And uh, have a great day. See you. Bye-bye.